What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 18th. I have fourth still on the script. That's the one thing I didn't update. 20 and 20. We hope that the coronavirus is not completely ruining your life right now. Coming to you from the official Nolan and Company Sports Panic Room, 50 feet under an undisclosed city. I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the Ruth. And the man joining me from his treehouse perched above his mother's backyard. Who can do it? Mason J. Pruitt. How's it going, man? How are you? I'm doing just fine. The stars are winning. <laughs> that is good. We had a very fun discussion right before the show because it was right after the goal. The stars are up 2-1 right now. Klingberg, John Klingberg had a great slap shot to take the lead in game five right now. The series is tied at two apiece. And if we can win this game and make it 3-2, then I feel a lot better about game six or possibly game seven. Me but, too. Yeah, so we're, we're watching the stars game right now. Or at least I am. Mason doesn't have it on in his treehouse. I, I have it here in the panic room. There's no Wi-Fi uh, in the treehouse, so unfortunately I can't watch it. Oof, oof. See, I've got I've got like Wi-Fi, but spotty Wi-Fi because like I guess it just takes time to go under all that dirt and concrete to mm-hmm. get to the panic room. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm in a bit of a delay, but uh, <laughs> but the Stars lead the uh, Calgary Flames two one right now. There's 11:42 to go in regulation, and so for the next. 15 20 minutes you might be hearing live reaction from my side and if it's good you'll hear mason's celebration if it's bad you'll hear mason's disappointment because he's relying on me for all his updates but we're not gonna consistently provide updates we're just gonna be watching while doing the show but let's get this started today today in sports history it is august 18th 34 years ago in the year 1986 Jim Kelly, who had been quarterbacking the USFL's Houston Gamblers, signs with the Buffalo Bills. He would end up leading them to four AFC championships and unfortunately losing all four Super Bowls he would take Buffalo to. Usually Mason would have a response, but, you know, I guess uh, we'll, we'll settle for the few seconds of awkward silence there. <laughs> so, I thought you were going straight into the happy 40th birthday. Sorry, I thought you were going into birthdays, yeah. but no. Well, you, I, well, since you just read it, why don't you do the birthday today, Mason? I'll give the honorable mentions, but you go ahead right. and do the birthday. Sounds good. Happy 40th birthday to two-time Super Bowl champion and four-time Pro Bowler and 2002 NFL Rookie of the Year, Jeremy Shockey. The old Giants tied in. Mm-hmm. And honorable oh. mentions to Matt Snell and Roberto Clemente. So Matt Snell was a, I believe, a running back for the New York Jets in their Super Bowl three season. He was in the same backfield as Joe Namath. And, you know, what baseball fan doesn't know who Roberto Clemente is? So, no, no I, I'm assuming no buildup there. But the opening question, Mason, is one that uh, you and I were discussing and one that piqued my interest and I think piqued yours. Um, if you're rebuilding the NBA, so you're totally erasing all 30 teams and you're starting the league over, what city will not get a team that currently does? My, I'll give my answer first because it, it brought a little bit of discussion on. Mine has got to be Sacramento. This is the one California city that doesn't have anything else. 
it's questionable whether or not it should. And honestly, I like the the nickname given to them at least by uh, the the boys out of the ticket in Dallas, the Sad Sack Kings. Uh, yeah, it's just self-explanatory. Like this is it's the one NBA city that in my mind shouldn't have a, a team, but does. It's also the one NBA team that has the best Twitter account. So if you like humor, watch them play because it will make you laugh, and then follow their Twitter because it will make you laugh even harder. <laughs> no offense to the Sacramento Kings, but that's what my answer was going to be. We talked a little bit before the show. But to go a little different direction, I would say the Memphis Grizzlies because I think that's a team that you can move to Nashville, same place as the Tennessee Titans, and you can just make Nashville a big sports city. So I would say Memphis besides Sacramento because I think Sacramento is the easy choice here that's a so that's an interesting take and, and I didn't tell you this before the show but like that's not the most drastic of moves from Memphis to Nashville I mean people who live in Memphis and if Seth were on here he'd be you know he'd be letting us hear it but th- that's not the most drastic of moves you're you're almost in the same market it's what two three hour drive from Memphis to, to Nashville I mean same state uh, I, does that really make a difference um, you know because you're, you're saying you move that to Nashville Sacramento I don't know where you'd put a team out, uh, outside of uh, outside of Sacramento in all honesty uh, that's got to be on the uh, in the western half of the of the league but Me- Memphis doesn't seem like that that bad or big of a move to me if you were to put them in Nashville all right, well, to go a third direction, because now I'm going to my third option here, probably well, I'd, say, I'd say Washington Wizards then. You're going to take the team out of the capital? Yeah. Well, just look at their home, just look at their home attendance over, over the past couple of years. I mean, they don't have a good fan base. Yeah, that is true. The, the Nationals, Capitals, and Reds... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The football team, they're yeah, they're all a lot more popular in that capital than the Wizards are. And and honestly, I think that has to do with just how poor they've been in general over the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Charlotte, but but debating between those two, I'd probably say Washington, even though it's in the capital. They don't need all four major sports. They can do they can do three. That was a good. That was an interesting opening question. We're gonna do a show run. We're gonna do the show rundown. Uh, we have a couple of stopping points today in the show. So, the sh- uh, so we're starting off with uh, basketball with Mason. Uh, then we're gonna take a break. When we come back from that break, we have a major, major company announcement to make that y'all are gonna want to stick around for because that'll kind of fill you in on kind of what you're gonna hear for. The, the next for the foreseeable future with this company and why uh, there a few things went down that we're that we're going to announce on the show today uh, then we're going to do uh, the hockey segment that I'm coming up with and I'm calling it Nolan's double major and that is because double major in hockey is a 10 minute power play for the other team so if you get a double so if you commit a penalty and it's a double major that's a 10 minute power play for the opposing team. And so try, we tried to have 10-minute segments, so it was fitting. Nolan's double major. It'll be all hockey talk. We're going to take a break. When we come back from that break, 
then it's going to be a Texas high school football schedule update. As we've mentioned many times this season, and like pretty much everything to do with it, is very fluid. Things are subject to change, and my schedule in particular went through one of those changes in a pretty big way, and Mason's did as well, but in a different way from mine, and we'll get into those. It'll only take us about five minutes to, to wrap those up, and then we're going to talk a little bit about college football because the landscape of college football has changed as well. And then a fun little uh, question that Mason and I will discuss at the end. So let's get this started. We got basketball with Mason, and you've got to be just about as disappointed as I am that with Luca's amazing record-breaking uh, performance yesterday, yep. and the fact that we led through the majority of that game, that the Clippers end up not not to mention the stupid technical foul that got. Uh, Oh, who was it? Who who got ejected? Chris Tapps Porzingis. Yes, that's who it was. Uh, See, yeah, Nolan, but... I was very excited to talk basketball today, but you just killed my whole mood because this is the first question you bring up. This is the first topic, the Mavs game. I was going to break it all down, and then you bring up last night, which had me screaming at the TV because the refs are so soft nowadays. Even Dirk Nowitzki tweeted himself. He's like, that, that, was, <laughs> that call was soft. LeBron he, tweeted at it. Patrick Mahomes tweeted at it. I mean, it was a terrible call. And and you look at the video, it is a terrible call. Now, honestly, obviously, when you see that in slow motion, that is like an obvious, you know, you don't call that. It, it, and mm-hmm. when it's going in that the, fast. Especially in the playoffs, yeah. Yes. And so when it's going that fast, I understand that that's a hard call to make. But this is really where we need to, I mean, be looking, especially if someone's being ejected, we need to take a look at it. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a good example. So in hockey, right, there was a goal scored by the Stars in Game 4 just a couple days ago, and uh, Corey Perry was standing right in the crease, and he prevented the Calgary goalie from making the save. Well, so they went back to look at it, and that is goalie interference. It was incidental contact, but he still got in the way. That's goalie interference. They reviewed it. They initially called it a goal, but they reviewed it, Right. Nowadays in sports, everything is reviewable. Like we need to be able to go back and take looks at this, especially when someone's getting ejected. Mm-hmm. Well, keep in mind how he got his first technical anyway. So it was it wasn't just a straight ejection that made him leave the game. It was two technicals, and his first one came off. He Paul George was driving to the basket, and Porzingis blocked his shot. Refs called it a foul when it was not. It was all ball, and then he kind of like punched the air, which they called a tech, which is that super. Soft in my opinion. And the second one was even worse. When Luka Doncic got in a... Him and, I believe it's Markeith Morris for the Clippers. You know, they were kind of talking back and forth. So Porzingis is going to protect his star player and he's going to get ejected for it. So it was just an unfortunate set of events for the Dallas Mavericks, which cost them big time because it was a close game. And all throughout the fourth quarter. And when Porzingis got ejected, and that's the number two option. So, And he brings size to the Mavericks that to contend with the Clippers, so. Yeah, and and it, the Dallas really started that game well. They they were what I mean they had what like a thirteen point well, deficit. So 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 they start. Yeah, they actually they, start, they, started, they started well. They started. It they started slow. horrible. Yeah, they started. They started, they started horrible. But when I but what I mean when they started well is they erased that deficit in the first Wait, quarter. Yeah, like, I believe like they, it was it was eighteen to two to start, and then it was twenty two to two about. Five minutes later. Yeah, so. it, it, it's it. 
they were they rebounded quickly and it was absolutely insane and then led for the majority of the rest of the game and then of course the the uh the two technical fouls by Porzingis get gets him ejected and the Clippers end up uh scoring uh, they outscored the Mavs what was it it was like it was like 18 to 4 in the last few minutes of the game well they won yeah the Mavs were up in the fourth quarter they out they outscore them a lot in the fourth quarter, I think it was the third quarter that got the Mavericks. They only scored 13 points in the third quarter. Yeah, that's so that's killer. that's a stretch that got them because they did. Mavericks scored over. Th- uh, well, they had, yeah, they had 38 in the first, 21, 31 in the second, and then the big 13 in the third, which killed them. But they did well in the fourth. They they only got outscored by three in the fourth quarter. So it was that third. It was that third quarter that got them. Other other scores, other things to pay attention to. Raptors beat up on the Nets, the Nuggets, and J- Nuggets and Jazz was, went to overtime. That one was entertaining to watch. That that's that's going to be a great series, and I, I wish Mike Conley was playing for the Utah Jazz because he would give some more backcourt presence. Um, because Donovan Mitchell is having to carry the load, and if you did not watch Donovan Mitchell in Game One against the Nuggets, go on YouTube, and I'd suggest you. He scored fifty-seven points. And lost in overtime, which is killer. But that one-two punch of Jamal Murray and the Joker, as they call him, that pick and roll is just unguardable. When Jokic can, and he can pop it too and knock down shots. So the Nuggets won in overtime, 135 to 125. But that's a series I'm really looking forward to watch. And Denver is going to be a dangerous team moving forward. They got a lot of pieces going. Michael Porter Jr., who was probably going to be the number one pick if he was healthy. Fell to 14, and now he's balling for the Nuggets. So, and they're about to get a couple starters back too. So, the Nuggets are a team looking forward in the West. But the West—that's why they call it the Wild West. There's a lot of teams. Also going on in the West, the currently the Rockets are beating the Thunder 68 to 52. I do see Rockets winning that series. But other than that, in the West, the big big story of the day. In the East, the one-seeded Bucks yep. were upsetted by the eight-seeded Magic. I think upset is already past tense. I don't think you have to... Upset, yeah. Oof. <laughs> you don't have school to starts... add the ED there. Yeah. Hey, school starts tomorrow. This is my last day of summer, so ignore that. But that was exactly what I was going to ask you about. 122 to 110, the number one yeah. seed in the East goes down. And I was going to ask you what your initial reaction was when you saw that. I mean, here's the thing. Orlando didn't have Jonathan Isaac, and I don't think they even had, um, what's his name, Aaron Gordon. So that's two key players, and they're the eighth seed. And it's just, I mean, it's deja vu for the Bucks in the playoffs. I'm sorry if you're a Bucks fan, but... I, I, I don't even think they'll make the finals and I'm not I've said that before the playoff story, it's not just go one game. But the the Bucks just seem to fold in the postseason and we're seeing it again here early. But I, I there's no excuse to losing that game for the Bucks when you're playing when you're the one seed and Orlando is seven games below five hundred. So it's not like they're an eight seed who is who was contending for like three games away from being a five seed. No, this isn't that good of a basketball team. The Bucks are way better. They should have swept them, but I mean, I, the Bucks probably still might win in five. However, I do think Milwaukee's not going to make it out of the East. 
Oh, hot take there. So if you want a finals prediction, it coming out of the East, and I know this isn't a popular pick, and it might have just gone down the likelihood of it happening with a key injury, but I like the Celtics to come out of the East. The popular right. answer is the Bucks and possibly the Raptors, but I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that young duo, and Kimba Walker's starting to play really well as well. So I like Bus- I like Boston coming out of the East. Boston coming out of the East. Who do you like in the West? I like the Lakers. I, I just think I think we forgot how good playoff LeBron is. There's LeBron, and then there's playoff LeBron, and we saw it in 2018 when he carried a trash Cavaliers team to the finals. And I know a lot of people are going to say the Clippers, but I think when it comes down to it, LeBron and Anthony Davis is the best one-two punch in basketball. And overall, I do think the Clippers have a much deeper team, better coaching. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Lakers beat the Clippers in seven in the Western Conference Finals. You heard it here first on Nolan and Company Sports, out of the mouth of Mr. Mason J. Pruitt, good sir. Any final basketball thoughts before we move on? Hopefully in game two, the well let's talk I wanna talk about Luka Doncic and just how special how many records has he broken this year? I mean probably tri- when it comes to tri- triple doubles and then I know I'm kinda of being a homer talking about Luka, but most playoff most points scored in a playoff debut, I mean this guy is special. And I, this isn't the year for Mavs fans for the Dallas Mavericks, and I think we all know that. The Clippers was the toughest matchup when it comes to how the Mavericks play. So, but if you add one more piece to the Mavericks, I think we got something cooking here in Dallas with KP and Luka being 24 and 21 years old. Yeah, the future definitely looks bright here in Dallas as far as far as basketball goes and hockey goes. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the next segment, but yeah, much to your point, I mean, we probably can't even count on two hands how many records he's broken in just what, two two years this is second year in the league third yeah this is no this is second year in the second league. yeah mm-hmm. this, this this kid is incredible and the Mavs really really hit the jackpot here and of course they pull off the trade that brought Porzingis here uh he didn't see the court last year but he he did a lot he did quite a bit this year when he wasn't hurt uh this is the very very exciting future for basketball in Dallas that's going to do it for our first segment. That was Basketball with Mason, and we'll probably come up with a better name for this segment at a later date. Right now we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a major, major, major company announcement. And when, go ahead. And, and when we come back, there's 153 left in this game, so I'm going to go and watch the rest of this game when we come back. And y'all should know if the Stars win based on Nolan and I's mood coming back. Or, or possibly even the song we play coming back from break. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be right back here on the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. I totally botched that. I totally just counted down three, two, one, played the song, and then realized my microphone was muted. Let's try that again. Yeah. Here we go. Three, two, one.
Welcome back to the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. And we are feeling good. Stars we are win. Very happy right now. Stars win, beat the Flames by a final score of two to one. And they now hold a 3 2 series lead over the Flames going into game six. And I feel a lot better now. And you could probably tell how happy we are by the fact that we just played the Pantera song entitled Puck Off to, to start this segment after the Stars win. And boy, I got nervous there. We won't we won't talk about this game too much right now because we got an announcement to make, but we got a slashing penalty with just a few seconds left. And uh boy. <laughs> I was I was worried. Six on there for four a for twenty one six on four for twenty one seconds is like I was scared. Two hours. Yeah. It, it certainly feels that way. It certainly does feel that way. So before we get into the Nolan's double major. Um, we have a major, major company announcement to get into. So, uh, as you are well aware of, uh, you are only hearing my voice and Mason's voice at the moment. Um, that is because of a new personnel shift we're making. Uh, we are in the works of bringing somebody on for um, marketing and advertising, and he will be joining us he he may make a couple show appearances but he's made he's mainly going to be in the background uh trying to get us uh trying to get us some advertisements and uh, and marketing a little better so um so we can get the funds we need to keep your sports entertainment coming back to you uh with that being said uh we have made a shift in some of our on-air personalities uh blake will be stepping away for for, for the, for the foreseeable future, you you will still hear him potentially once a month, um, maybe twice a month, depending on how free he is. But he is very very busy down at College Station, and he said he may be able to find the time to take on more of kind of a business role if he can get in touch with the guy we are in the works and bringing on. And so he'll be kind of our marketing and um, advertising guy down in our College Station base. Uh, so that's how that's going to work. Um, and then Seth is going to be taking more of a opinionated writing role. So that way we can get more stuff on our website, uh, more little bit, uh, little bit of reading, reading material for y'all, uh, keeps, keeps, uh, traffic coming to our website. Uh, so he's going to be stepping into that role. You will still hear him on the show occasionally, but for the most part, this show has become Nolan and Mason. I'm assistant regional manager. Is that's what I'm understanding, yeah, right? He's your assistant to the regional manager. Uh, we uh, w- w- this was not a decision that came easily for us, but after talking to with uh, after talking for a while with Blake and Seth, uh, Seth being in Michigan, Blake doing so many things down at college station this was just the best thing for us to do and honestly i'm excited because mason is the one who is probably probably the be- the better on-air personality no offense to either blake or seth i enjoyed the two years i had with them on my show but um 
but but you know it, it's been said for a while that uh, and even by some of our listeners that Mason you and I were the strong points of the show and so we're deciding to kind of lean more on us as the strong points and uh, hopefully hopefully that'll help our show grow a little more well I'm excited but I think Blake and Seth their their work will not be unnoticed I think what they do just just because they're not on the show I mean I I'm glad Seth's doing the journalism stuff because he is a much better writer than I am. So I think it's working out all for the good. But I'm excited for what the future of the show is. Yeah, so we're in the works with that. And then also we're in the works with somebody on becoming a monthly guest. So he won't be uh, he, he won't be one of the key members of our show. But if you hear, uh, if, you know, if, if, you know, say that four, four weeks in a month, uh, you get... You get four shows in a month. Seth may make an appearance once. Blake may make an appearance once. And then we're not going to disclose who it is just yet because we still have some things to work out. But if all goes well, there will be another voice that will be joining us uh, to do shows every now and then uh, to give his two cents on sports as well. Uh, that's it for the major. That's all we're going to disclose right now as far as this. But, yes, so this is the this is the new Nolan & Company sports podcast that you are hearing it is me, it is Mason J. Pruitt, and it will be like that for the foreseeable future. With that said, let's move on in to the new segment, Nolan's Double Major. And I want to start off with a topic that last week got me all bent out of shape, and, for, and, and with good reason. Playoff hockey in a bubble is a very delicate thing and it needs to be handled in a in the correct way i feel like the nhl has done a lot with that they they really have uh what like we haven't had a single positive test i don't think in either bubble um so that that's good the concerns of of whatever whatever one were uh kind you know kind of worried about those haven't really come to fruition but there was one that nobody thought of and it literally came on the first game of the playoffs. Tampa Bay Lightning, who last year got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, are getting another shot at the Columbus Blue Jackets. This game started at 2 o'clock on Tuesday. The Stars mm. and Flames were to start... Uh, this, these are central times, by the way. The Stars and Flames were set to begin at 5 o'clock. On that day, I was not able to see the Stars Flames game because I was at I was out uh, watching the games, and they only had the TV on NBC Sports. Well, they couldn't get it on Fox because the Rangers are playing, so I had to stick with NBC Sports. Here's my dilemma: the Lightning Blue Jackets game went into five overtimes. This game started three hours after the Stars game, or I'm sorry, it started three hours before the Stars game started, and the Stars were supposed to be on NBC Sports. The entire game between the Flames and Stars, it was a 3-2 Flames victory, was played, and then I had time to drive from Parker County to my home in Fort Worth, and the game was still going. To put that, I was going to say, for people who don't know hockey that well, 
to put five overtimes into perspective for hockey, that's two and two thirds hockey game into one. Yeah, and, and and that and the winning goal was scored late in that fifth overtime period, so they almost got three games in. Mm-hmm. So that brings up the question, and and uh, things were thrown around on Twitter. So here was the fallout from this: that game bumped the Boston Bruins Carolina Hurricanes game back, game one of that series back to the next day at eleven a.m. That game proceeded to go into two overtimes, which pushed back the New York Islanders-Washington Capitals start. Fast forward to just the other day. Stars and Flames are in overtime. And who's waiting on that game to end? Las Vegas and Chicago. So, luckily for Vegas and Chicago, the Stars-Flames game ended in, in one overtime period. Um, by the way, it happened later that night because after the Blackhawks-Golden Knights game, the Blues and Canucks played, and that game went into overtime. So, here's how overtime works in playoff hockey. Typically, during the regular season, you have three on you have three, on three, and that is for five minutes. And it's probably the most entertaining five minutes in a, of a hockey game, in my opinion. If that does, if it doesn't end in overtime, you go to a shootout, and that that's the hockey equivalent of penalty kicks in soccer, right? So the playoffs don't have that. The playoffs have continuous sudden death overtime. You play till somebody scores, and unfortunately, it is not rare to get a game that goes into multiple overtimes. It, it happens quite often. Is it time to discuss? bringing uh, maybe not three on three overtime but maybe instead of a 20 minute overtime period a 10 minute overtime period and then a shootout at least while you're in the bubble because other teams are waiting for this ice and that ice is being destroyed by the teams playing on it because they like you said they played two and two-thirds games on the ice that night Mm -hmm. that ice was completely destroyed like that that's probably why that and the fact and the fact that the Bruins hurricanes game would not have started till about 11 o'clock eastern but the ice was just destroyed yeah and i'm not a big fan of penalty shootouts in both soccer and hockey because i think that makes a team sport turn individual so if there's a way that you can still whether it's three on three four on four short and overtime periods, I would still try to find a way to avoid penalty shootouts, but I, I think the rules need to be changed because sometimes that that's just how games flow. And like you said, multiple overtimes, and plus when you add in the 20-minute break in between those overtimes, just like a regular intermission between periods, it, the time starts to build up. Absolutely. Absolutely. We saw that last year when the Stars and Blues went into two, into two overtimes at uh when we were at that buffalo wild wings at one night and we thought oh we'll have a good three hours here and you know we'll go home you know win or lose we'll just you know it'll be whatever and no we went into double overtime we were there for six hours waiting for that game to end so uh, at six hours and that was two overtimes yeah and then this was i believe it was a six and a half Yeah, this was almost a full work day. I could have clocked in for work at the beginning of that game, and by the time I got off, that game would have been over for about 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
So there's my little rant on play at least at least in the bubble you've got to figure something out i'm not saying permanently but at least in the bubble when you've got teams waiting to play on the same ice that these two teams are playing on right now you've got to figure something out yeah it's like when when baseball although i i think this rule's stupid but in baseball they've been changing their extra inning rules you start with someone on second base once you get to extra innings and so it's hard to switch basketball i'm just talking about basketball because they're in a bubble but for hockey when they're waiting to play and overtimes can take so long, especially if, if, you, if it goes into two overtimes, it's already an extra hour because you have 20 minutes of hockey and you have a 20-minute break and then another 20 minutes of hockey. And with all the breaks in the periods, you're probably talking about an hour and a half if you go to multiple overtimes. Add it on to what already is a two-and-a-half-hour hockey game. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Time, time is a huge factor, and those players get tired. And actually, I said that on Twitter that night of the Lightning Blue Jackets game, I said it's going to be the team who can come out of the dressing room the least tired and the least defeated. It's going to be that team that ends up winning. And actually, I, I thought the Blue Jackets kind of, they lost in kind of a bad way. It kind of hurts to lose that way. But one of their players got hit with the puck and went down. And it, I believe it was one of their wingers. And so there was space out on the wide area. And he was just absolutely, I mean, he was just standing right by himself, got the one-time shot and scored the lightning one and all that happened in the span of about three seconds um so and shout out shout out to the blue jackets keeper i think he broke a record for most saves in a postseason game he did there's no doubt about that the lightning totally outshot the blue jackets that that game and i think that the lightning should have won that game that was definitely their game to lose but uh, columbus was in that until until that final goal was scored absolutely and and i and i do think that had had this not been in a in a bubble, then I think it would have been. I I think this would have been a lot more entertaining to watch. I think it would have been, it wouldn't have made that big a difference in my own opinion. But looking at this uh, and how things are right now, Stars win. They beat the Flames by a score of two to one to take a three two series lead. Game six will be on Thursday. Time to be determined. Uh, I believe that will actually. Um, be determined by the Golden Knights Blue Jack, uh, Blue Jack, uh, Golden Knights Blackhawks game that that puck drops at nine thirty tonight. I'll be watching that game mm-hmm. very closely. Um, I will be watching as well. Uh, so Vegas has the three one lead there. Vegas puts them to bed today. I believe the Stars will have. Uh, it, it'll be the only game played in the Western Hub that day. So I I think that the Stars will play the prime play a primetime game probably around 7 7:30 maybe uh just being in the being the only western conference game on that ice that day um uh what else was today uh capitals take on the islanders the islanders are about to sweep the capitals right now and this this islanders team has looked very impressive and i'm a little shocked by it and when at the end of this round, when all the teams get reseeded for the next round and to determine the, the next matchups, the Islanders have got to be jumping up a seed or two. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. I think, I think you're looking at either probably a two or three seed for the Islanders because I think, I think the Knights or or the Flyers, that's, that's a one or two. So when you're talking about two or three, you're debating between either the Knights and the Flyers and, and then the Islanders to get that three seed. 
Well, the Knights are uh, our Western Conference, so they're going to reseed them within the East. So I think you're. I think the the, the Bruins are still in. The Bruins lead their series uh, three to one. Three to one game. Uh, game five will be tomorrow uh, at three p.m. Uh, I I fully expect Boston to run away with this one, as I do the uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay will play Columbus, the Lightning, and Blue Jackets um, tomorrow at eleven a.m. Uh, I, ex- I expect us to see two teams coming off the ice, moving on to the next round in both Tampa Bay and Boston. Um, but if the Islanders can pull off the sweep tonight, uh, I'm sorry, that puck should have just dropped, actually. I'm going to see if I can pull that up right now. But, uh, yeah, th- th- this is a game that's going to be it- – it is going to really turn the – Eastern bracket upside down. If the Islanders can come away with this upset, and then if you're the Lightning or Bruins, you're shit, you're quivering in your boots because they just upset the, in my opinion, the second best team to come out of the out of the East with Boston being the first. And so if they swept the number two seed, well then I imagine they'd really hang in there with Boston. Games also tomorrow, uh, Coyotes against the Avalanche. Avalanche also have a three-one. Uh, 3-1 series lead. That one's in the Western Conference. I expect the Avalanche to be able to uh, walk off the ISIS series winner tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. The Blues and Canucks, keep your eyes on this series because Vancouver gave St. Louis all kinds of fits in the first two games. The Blues have now won two in a row. But here's what you got to remember. The Blues initially were the number one team when we started the round robin. And, now, and then they lost all three games in the round robin and are now the four seed. And so they got the Canucks, uh, the the better of the teams who had to play in. And in all honesty, man, it, it looked like that those uh, that play-in series that the Canucks had to win uh, kind of gave them an edge because the Blues did not start very hot. The uh, same thing can be said for the Stars, actually. Uh, go, coming into both their series, they did not look playoff ready. The Stars didn't in Game 1. The Blues did not in Game in games one or two of their series. So the Canucks still have the shot to pull off the upset, but the Blues are really starting to play like playoff St. Louis like we saw last year. And then the Philadelphia Flyers and Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we have one, two, three, four opportunities tomorrow to see teams uh, clinch the series, and then the nightcap would be the Canucks and Blues, which I think would be worth the watch. That one's at 9.30 Central Time. Uh, all other... Uh, uh, after that, so Thursday we'll get games, uh, game six of Stars and Flames. Uh, that one will be interesting to watch. I really can't make a call on that one. It just depends on how both teams come out onto the ice to start that one. Vegas up three one on Chicago. Uh, again, that one's uh, that one. The the puck drops tonight at nine thirty. So that would be game six if needed. The Knights can clinch in game five tonight. Uh, and we've covered the Islanders and Capitals. Uh, right now, though, if uh, Mason, you went ahead and gave your finals uh, prediction, I'm going to go ahead and give my uh, Stanley Cup finals prediction. Uh, I, in all honesty, uh, I'm going to have to say uh, I like Boston out of the East. Keep your eyes on the Islanders because they're doing this at the Capitals. Yeah, keep your eyes on them. But I'm going to have to go with Boston. And then <laughs> this is going to change probably in the next couple rounds, I bet. But I like the way Colorado is playing right now. Give me the Bruins and the Abs to be in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, one, uh, at the end of uh, at the end of this. I guess I should say remainder of the season. 
actually two totally different teams. I'm going to go the Vegas Knights and the Flyers to get in the Stanley Cup. All right. All right. That's a fair pick. That's a fair pick. I like the way the Flyers are playing right now. The Knights are always someone you got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what I think will would will end up killing the Knights. Uh, they're just their inability to really get a fast start. We saw them in a round robin, um, and they didn't. Have, they, they had a good start against Dallas. They had a kind of a weak start against Colorado, and uh, it wasn't the best start against St. Louis, but they ended up pulling it out. But I think the only game they lost in the round robin was to Colorado, and they ended up, uh, you know, they ended up kind of getting pushed around a bit in that game. I thought. And then even in this series now, um, they're scoring when it matters. They're scoring late, but they're just—they're not able to get off to the hot start, and that might not make the difference against Chicago. But I bet that'll make a big difference against uh, against Colorado, uh, maybe against Dallas. If, if Calgary makes a comeback, not getting off to a hot start will definitely kill you. Um, and then St. Louis has really turned it around. They're starting to look like themselves. The the blues from last year so that's why i'm not going with the knights but i'll respect that flyers pick uh again i'm just gonna have to see what they can do against either tampa bay or boston uh but we'll watch how the rest of those series uh progress we're gonna take a break when we come back we've got to update our texas high school football schedules and then um a little bit of madness coming out of college football we'll talk about that'll be next on the nolan and company sports podcast Hey, Nolan and Company listeners, this is Nolan Ruth. And Blake Martin. From the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. As you may have heard on the last show, I did a commercial for Bar V Custom Welding and Fencing. Unfortunately, I got the name wrong because the V is not the Roman numeral 5. Blake has been on my rear end about that ever since. But right now, we want to go ahead and tell you about our friends at Bar V Custom Fencing and Welding. Uh, they're a family-owned custom welding business uh, based out of Weatherford, Texas. They're taking your dreams and making them into a reality. So if you're in the Parker County area and you need a fence for your backyard, uh, if you're on a few acres and need some fencing for that, or even your front yard if you just hate your neighbors, go ahead and reach out to our friends at Bar V Custom Welding and Fencing. Reach out to them at 817-613-4997. That number again is 817-613-4997. You can also reach out to them at Bar V Welding, all one, no caps, at yahoo.com. That's bar v welding at yahoo.com. So go ahead and check them out for all your welding and fencing needs. Welcome back to the Nolan Coming Sports Podcast. To the show titled Surfing USA. The reason is, is because I've been having to watch the stars on the Fox Sports Go app, not on cable or a dish. Uh, so, Fox Sports Go app has like their own ads that they'll play during commercial breaks. And they have one, I think it's Frontier, it's actually playing right now. Um, and Surfing USA is the song uh, that everyone sings to over like a Zoom call. And so it's been in my head for about a week now and I haven't lost my mind yet but I'm getting there <laughs> so before we continue uh, what we got to do now is we've got to update our Texas high school football schedule 
So uh, Mason is uh, going to make his announcement. He has not made his announcement on the show just yet, and I'm going to update y'all on mine because, as we've said, uh, this season is very fluid, and uh, the, where we are going to cover high school football is going to change on a week-to-week basis. So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, mine real quick. I, actually, Mason, why don't you go ahead because they, they know the gist of mine. Alright, so week one on August 28th, on my, actually my sister's and granddad's birthday, happy birthday to both of them, I will be seeing the Teague Lions travel to the Mart Panthers at 7th Complex. Really excited. Mart is, I don't know how to discuss how they could be a sleeper team to maybe a state championship run this year. And then week two, I will be, I will be going to see the Franklin Lions play at Hearn up on the road on Highway Six from College Station. That will be on September fourth, and then probably the marquee matchup for the first four weeks for me will be Week Three when I believe La Vega, who is the number one seed, will be playing Corpus Christi and Sam Marcus, who is the four seed. Corpus Christi, that is. So you're looking at a top five matchup in Week Three. And then to top it off for the first four weeks, I will be seeing Belleville be playing Rockdale. And I saw Rockdale play last year, and I was really intrigued by them. They got a really good running back, Cameron Valdez, who who was last the game I went to. He dominated the game. He had over 150 rushing yards, had three touchdowns. So I'm excited to see him again as a senior. So those are my first four weeks. So we talked about, uh, you know, you and I talked about it, um, and – your, your schedule changed because mine changed. Uh, so your week three, you were originally supposed to go see Calvert, a uh, six-man school that's just right up the road from College Station on Highway 6. Uh, not actually not far outside of Hearn either. Um, so that all changed because there was a better week three game that came up, and I got the opportunity to go see Calvert, and that's how my schedule changed. But that's what led to you going to see Cal Allen and La Vega uh, at Rattler Stadium in San Marcos, uh, which is the new home to John Walsh, by the way. And um, this is where my schedule changed. So Thursday, I think I was originally supposed to be going to Athens to watch Tenaha play Honeygrove. Uh, I think that game is still on, but I got a much better opportunity. Uh, it's a six-man game. I love six-man football. I don't get the opportunity a lot to watch it. And this one is in uh, Palo Pinto County, not far out of uh, where my hometown is. And so I decided to take it. Borden County, who's always the uh, a really good dark horse and six-man, and Calvert, who's also always a really good dark horse and six-man. Either one of these teams could end up playing for a state championship this year. And uh, I'm going to get the chance to go see them Thursday the 27th at Gordon's Longhorn Stadium in Palo Pinto County. Uh, the grandview Malakoff game is still on. I still plan to attend that. And then uh, another six-man game down in Heiko, which is a uh, place I'm pretty familiar with. On Saturday at 2 p.m., it is the St. Joe Panthers against the Medina Bobcats. I'm looking forward to that one as well. Uh, that that Saturday game is more up in the air than anything else. But, uh, but absolutely, uh, Borden County against Calvert and Gordon. And then uh, Malakoff at Grandview. That is my high school football schedule. So a little update. I know I told everybody that it was going to be 
uh, Honey Grove and Tenaha and Athens, and I was excited to see that. But uh, circumstances changed, and so now it'll be Borden County versus Calvert. But right now, we're going to talk uh, about another kind of football because the football world is being rocked right now. It was first; it was the MAC. Uh, I believe another Group of Five conference said that they weren't going to play either, and then that was followed up by the Big Ten and the Pac-12 saying that they will not be playing football this fall and that is a huge fallout for uh, especially non-conference wise for uh, teams in the Big 12 and the SEC um, even though we now know that they're only going to get one non-conference game anyway but how huge is this Ohio State is not going to be playing football Michigan is not going to be playing football Oregon is not going to be playing football USC is not going to be playing football all these places aren't going to be playing football this fall and that just seems really weird to me yeah and i'm just going to start off by saying the decision to cancel this early from the big 10 and the pac-12 and the way they did it and how they hid information from these players and it's been coming out that so the big 10 first reported that the school presidents voted 12 to to cancel and now the Penn State president, and I believe one more, has come out and said that they weren't even asked. They they never even voted on anything like that. So uh, none of us know the full story on exactly why they canceled, but the the decision to cancel this early was ridiculous. I don't think they could have maybe figured out a way. They have the money to, to test these players weekly and multiple times weekly. I believe A&M is getting tested. A&M players, I believe, are getting tested two to three times a week. And so that can happen all over the country. And I think the athletes are safer playing football than not. And the reason I say that is because they're under guidelines when they're at the facility and the they have certain rules that they have to follow. I believe Every player has like their own water bottle and just the social distancing and all that. If they don't play football, they're just going to go back home and they're not going to follow those rules. And what are they going to do? The 18-year-old kids, they're going to go party. And they're going to go to clubs and they're going to go wherever they can. So I think playing football is the right choice. I'm with you on that, absolutely. Um, uh, So... This this is just a weird situation, and, and I, I I also think that you know just don't lie to us. Don't say that you didn't vote that you that you voted on it and it was voted twelve to two, because you know you know someone's gonna come out and go wait a minute what we didn't know we're not gonna take a fall here because that's not true we didn't vote don't don't lie to us I think that's absolute garbage. Um, mm-hmm. You you see people like Trevor Lawrence and other other uh, athletes in, uh, among the. ACC, SEC, and the Big Twelve, uh, saying that they that they feel bad for some of them are opting out, but we do hear a lot of players who are like, you know, it's wrong to take away a season like this, uh, you know, when when uh, honestly, like we f- we know the risk, we feel like we can play still and we want to play. Um, I'm not gonna Nolan, go off I'm, on a Nolan. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you real quick because you you mentioned the names Trevor Lawrence and I just. It means something to the college football world out there. I mean, who are the two most active voices pushing for a football season? Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Those are the two guys with the most to lose 
if there is a football season. And Trevor Lawrence is number one because he's already won a national title. He's the guaranteed first-round pick, pretty much, if he doesn't if he doesn't get hurt. And so the fact that these are the two guys who are being the most active in pursuing for safety guidelines and player unions and to play a football season, that means something, That how much football means to these kids. Yeah, it really does. And, and how blindsided this is, it, 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 it makes it hurt even worse. It, it, and now that's easy for me to say from a fan's perspective. I mean, but me saying that is like – how the heck are these players supposed to feel like it's ridiculous um mm-hmm. so I, I i honestly think that they that they can still play obviously you'll have the occasional opt-outs and i'm not going to speak ill about them because that's their call you know that they're making yeah. their own decision there but these kids are being told by the by the conference that by the conference offices that they're not going to play when they have been looking forward to this for a while for a while i think we all have because with the with the shutdown of all sports and going what four months almost five without any and now we're about to get football but our game back and these conferences are just taking it away so with that being said that almost created a a development last week that we wanted to jump on uh but it it got shot down a couple days later um but nebraska was going to try to play they wanted to try to play they didn't want they didn't agree with the big Ten's decision and so uh they they said we're gonna come we're gonna try to come play um then they were then told by the big 10 if you do that you're not gonna be welcomed back uh and then everything was quiet for a couple days and it was in that two-day span that everyone's like now is the big 12's chance to go jump mm-hmm. on and get some of these teams back and when you look at the logistics of it, the Big 12 does not give a lot of money towards their uh, towards the colleges that that are a part of the Big 12, uh, their their member schools, and that that's a big big problem. And honestly, that's probably why Nebraska wouldn't do it. But in all honesty, if you go out and get those schools, my my argument was go get Nebraska, but then you should also go get Iowa because if you can get that Cyclone Hawkeye rivalry. Yep as a conference game, that would be huge for the Big 12. Huge. As well. Dream scenario for the Big 12. So, that that was shot down. But my, my thought is, like, do, do you still go for it? I mean, it's... I don't think anything's going to season. I think it's too soon, and there, it's too complicated to push something like that but i do think the big 12 needs to be looking at hey we need to add two more teams to this conference because right now i think the big 12 is on the outside looking in when it comes to the big 10 and the sec when it's top dogs in college football so i think the big 12 needs to go searching a lot of people are saying houston you know cincinnati is even a popular pick for the big 12 but the big 12 needs to be looking around to add two more teams and back the divisions the north and south yeah, in, in in my opinion, they gotta they gotta try to snag those some of those teams from uh, from other Power Five conferences. I mean, if you get Nebraska back, that's one thing. But if they could pull off a steal like getting Iowa, a team mm-hmm. who's it was never in the Big Twelve, but can go, hey, look, 
we're trying to get things changed around here. We think that you'd make a great fit in this conference. I don't see why they shouldn't, or at least Colorado. Now, I don't know how I feel about Colorado coming back if they were to, but you've got to do something. And uh, Colorado might not be the best fit, but you know what? Like, they're another team. And then the other thing comes in to play. Do you, yeah. do you let do you let West Virginia, which is a geographical outlier in the Big 12, walk and then maybe go get Colorado, Nebraska, and Iowa? I think it, I mean the the perfect team for the Big 12 and which would make that conference so much more competitive is Iowa. I mean, you bring a cuz besides OU and Texas and OU and Oklahoma Oklahoma State, are there any like I mean, there's TCU Bears, I guess there are rivalries, but none of them, but besides those, like, are there any else that jump off the screen is like, hey, I really want to watch this game? And that's what Iowa and Iowa State would bring. And plus, you're bringing a team, and the knock on the Big 12 has always been, oh, the lack of defense, lack of defense, lack of defense. And so you're bringing an Iowa team is traditionally a top 20 program, and they bring defense to the conference, which they haven't had. Yeah, so that that's obviously the the point that I want to make as well. Also you get that uh, you get that in-state rivalry between them and Iowa State, which is another big which uh, another big thing. Um, but here's my, here's my here's my issue. The Big 12 for a long time was such a dominant conference. OU and Texas was the marquee matchup of the year, not Auburn Alabama. No, it was OU Texas. People wanted to see I mean, you can make a case of Florida Georgia, but like OU Texas was the game to watch. They were constantly in the top, uh, consistently in the top five. A lot of times they were both top five teams when that game was played, right? So that was a game that everyone wanted to watch. And then uh, Missouri had a really good year. Kansas was really good in the in the early to late to, in the uh, mid two thousands. Uh, you know, in the right before, uh, right after um, Nebraska, Missouri, A and M, and Colorado walked. Kansas State got really good. Uh, there was a lot of parity in the North, though, too, because Nebraska was always really good, Missouri was really good, Kansas was really good, but then they like just beat the crap out of each other, and then so Colorado ended up playing for the Big Twelve Championship. It, it was it, it was just such like it was full of parity. I mean, it was good. You never really knew exactly what was going to happen. I, I mean, I can think of a number of times. Oh, you got upset, and then like still they ended up winning the conference or something. But it's just. It was an entertaining conference to watch, and we've lost that. And I think that you really got to go because that's where the problem is. It's in the money, and if you're not, if you don't have those teams and those kind of matchups, then you're not going to be bringing in the revenue. That's why they're not getting paid. That's why the schools aren't getting paid as much. Nolan, can you allow me to do for the first time ever a live announcement because this will make your jaw drop? Are you ready? If you have something that I don't have yet, go ahead. October 9th, Globe Life Park in Arlington, Duncanville versus IMG Academy in Florida. So I knew about that. Um, oh, dang it. Played play at Globe Life Park. Um, yep. Okay, sorry. I just saw that. Someone just sent it to me, and I thought I was about to like make your jaw drop, but you kind of just ruined my moment. No, no, it was... Uh... It was uh, it was something I've been keeping my eyes on because everyone's been releasing their schedules lately, and uh, not all of them have been released, which is giving me fits. But uh, uh, oh, actually, a number of them were just updated today. Um, the the issue is that, like 
a lot of these teams are trying to find games to play, and a lot of them are playing out-of-state teams. Well, Duncanville got one of theirs canceled, and so now they have to... Um, so they had to go find uh, find someone to fill that game, and of course it was IMG Academy. So now you got two of the nation's top teams going at it. It'll be Hack Glow Life Park. Will I be there? Not sure. Um, UIL is going to really, really constrict uh, the uh, press access this year, so we're gonna we, we're gonna have to play our cards just right. So I'm not sure we'll be there, but yeah, no, that's something we're gonna keep. Our, I bet ESPN will be there, though. I guarantee it. Yeah. That will be streamed on national television. So anyway, so so back. So my my point on on the big on the Big Twelve is just like if if they don't have those teams, then it's not going to it, it's not going to do anything for them because they're not going to bring in the money. They need those marquee teams, and the 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 tough part of it is trying to snag one of these Power Five teams away is that they're going to be looking for, okay, how much of the revenue are we going to get? And the Big 12 doesn't have a lot to offer. They're, they they have to get somebody to buy into, we want you to come join us, and that will make the revenue spike. And I don't know if anyone's willing to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's, like I said, it's so complicated right now, and I think those are some of the – those are going off to the side. Those are side discussions about – moves to be made via conference-wise, but I, I, I think we're on the same page here that Iowa and Nebraska are the two marquee to join the Big 12 if they were to expand. So let's move on to the SEC. So the schedules were released, and I'll, I'll tell you this. You you actually said it in our group chat, but if, if A&M gets out of this season alive... <laughs> Dude. Dude, we went from the most manageable SEC schedule... SEC West schedule you could probably have. I mean, originally we weren't supposed to. We drew South Carolina and Vandy out of the East, and then our non-conference toughest game was Colorado. But still, I'd say a pretty tough comp, pretty tough schedule. When every year you have to play Alabama, LSU, and Alabama, so those are three top ten teams, or three top fifteen at least that you're playing year in and year out. And now, first in the first three weeks. You will be at, we are playing at Alabama and Florida in the first three weeks. Yeah. And then uh, to end and then to end LSU at home and at Auburn. See, th- this is uh, so I made the point because of the whole Nebraska thing we were just talking about that that the coronavirus may have been the best thing that happened to the Big 12 because it's it's starting to get them to look at actually adding teams. This was probably the worst thing that could have happened to Texas A and M. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there was there was talk since 2018 about how good the A and M 2020 team, and I still think A and M in 2020. We have 17 returning starters coming back for this year, the most in the SEC. And I was talking with a buddy yesterday, and how what we think the teams that are going to succeed the most are the teams that had the least amount of turnover when it comes to quarterback changes, head coach changes, you know, coordinators. And I think what we found out, or, and we might need to fact check this again, the only two teams in the SEC that brought back their starting quarterback, head coach, and both coordinators was A&M and Auburn. And so, and because there's no, there was no spring practice, there was no summer ball, and so... The teams that are going to have to figure out 
hey, we got to get this system implemented. We got to do all this. We got to figure out quarterback. I think those are the teams that are not they're not going to succeed as much as a team like A and M and Auburn. Right. So you obviously the the conference for A and M just got a lot tougher. Uh, it, th- just things being hectic right now. Uh, I I really don't know. And and Mason, if you've heard something that I haven't heard, please inform me. But how is this going to work as far as? bowl games as far as the national championship like i all this to be all this to be said do we even know what it's going to look like this year we know the schedule no we don't know anything past the 10 games from the big 12 the acc and the sec and then conference championships okay they'll be about two weeks later than what they were scheduled to be but for bowl season i haven't heard anything I mean, I, I assume there'd still be a playoff. I assume, but the regular bowl matchups. I mean, the Rose Bowl. Okay, that's normally the top Big Twelve and the top Pac. No, I'm sorry. Big Ten, Pac Twelve. Yeah, that's normally the top Big Ten and the Pac Twelve that are not in the playoff. So what are you gonna do about the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Those are those are those are questions that I don't know the answer to yet. Are you just are you gonna bring SEC teams over to that? I mean, they have to have less bowl games this year. I think that it just – so we applaud the UIL here in Texas. Uh, at least 80% of the population do because they, they took a bad situation and made it manageable, right? They, The NCAA and every conference that's in FBS football anyway – in my opinion, has severely botched this season. They they had a lot of better options. Now, there are no good options, but their job was to find the least bad option to have a season and try to make it work, and I think everyone has just absolutely botched it. And yeah. I, think, I think that's why we don't know how this season... We are weeks away from this season, and we don't know how it's going to end. But at the same time, I think there are still there's still room to make decisions and bowl games those are those are still four months away than what they were scheduled to be and so i'm just thankful that the sec and the acc and the big 12 have schedules set and they have wiggle room if one team if there's an outbreak on one team they can play in between the week of the last game and the conference championship but I'm just thankful what we got now, but I still think the NCAA kind of botched this up a little bit, and I don't think they were organized from the start, and it might come back to bite them, but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be unprecedented season. We all know that. All right. That was, uh, we're out of time. Uh, that was, that. I'm just frustrated. I, I'm really just frustrated. I think that college football could be doing a lot better with this, and they're clearly not. But uh, we, we shall see how everything plays out. So, Mason, before we close out, since there's no Martin's Minute and there will really only be one once a month from now on, uh, we're going to just kind of ask the random questions, getting yourself into your sports mind. Um, just, just simple questions like the one today. Who is your favorite team in the Sun Belt Conference? This was an easy choice for me. I'm going to go with Appalachian State. Why's that? 
Well, just, I mean, think about what they've done for the college football world. They've provided us with upsets that just, you know, that just shock us. I mean, they have that famous one over Michigan. They just always seem to play good games. They they contended with Tennessee like a couple years ago. And, I mean, with the other teams, I mean, in second place, I was probably going to say, like, Arkansas State because I have family from there. But I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Appalachian State. So I need to check, but I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere that within the next couple of years they'll be moving into the into Conference USA. But I will take I will take that Appalachian State answer because at the moment they are in the Sun Belt. Mine, mine's kind of a tough draw, uh, but I'm gonna have to go with Georgia State. I'm someone who kind of always roots for the under and. and Texas State is obviously up in my contention just being from Texas, but mm-hmm. I got to go to Georgia State. I have a lot of connections to the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta, and I'm just always a big fan of the underdogs. Georgia State is one of the most is one of the more recent uh, teams to get into into Division One football. I think they joined in the 2013 season, and uh, they didn't start off great, but they're like they're slowly improving. And so the, the, I have to say that the team I'm partial to the most out of the Sun Belt has got to be Georgia State. Well, Mason, that was a good show. Thank you for joining me today. Go Stars. Go Stars. And we will talk to the rest of y'all next week. For Mason J. Pruitt, who can do it? Mason Pruitt. I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the roof. Be sure to tune in next week when we have another great podcast coming up for you. And we'll see if we can get one of those guests on the show next week. Until then, guys, don't be uh, don't forget to go follow us on Twitter. I'm at Real Nolan Ruth. He's at Mason J. Pruitt. And then on the company page, at Company Nolan. You guys take care. Keep rocking. We'll see you.